Welcome to Kitchen Table, candid conversations about sex, relationships, and being human. I'm Brittany Palacastro. I'm Nick Anthony, and today we're talking to Sydney Richdale about intimacy and bringing back the spark. Woo! Hello, Nick. What it is, Britt? It's really hot. <laughs> we are right now. <laughs> For a second, I was just like, hot in what way? Um, but we are talking about intimacy and desire today, <laughs> but that is not the kind of hot I am referring to. Yes, 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 yes. It's scorching outside. It's 96 degrees. The house is boiling. So we don't have central air. We have old school air. Don't judge. You can judge if you want. It's on you, not me. I don't take your judgment. <laughs> I, we have air conditioning, but it's old school. And so it goes... <sighs> the loudest shit in the entire world it's so loud yeah so we can't have it on so we'll see how this goes as the conversation progresses and i start to melt because i'm already a furnace i think we'll be okay i preemptively you know set it up so it was the space was cooling for a little bit and once we're done i think we're going to heat up the space based off of the our conversation our conversation <laughs> our steamy conversation with sydney richdale Oh, stinkity snap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about this conversation. We, you know, we talk about sex a lot. Mm -hmm. If you haven't listened before, we talk about sex a lot. That's the gist of the, the podcast. Of podcast. <laughs> However, this specific topic of intimacy in the form of like desire and arousal. Mm -hmm. And when I think of it, it's like long-term relationships oh, yeah. and like getting that spark back. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what you and I talk about, about this. Well, we can relate to this topic very easily. I think I, we can. I, so I'm like, hmm, I almost want to be like, Sydney, so you want to give us like a 10 I minute? Just, it's going to be a session for coaching. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> Well, that's good. I think it'd be really fun. So let me get you a scenario, right? So I come home and I'm hot and sweaty. I'm like, I don't know, does it make up stuff? <laughs> I mean, I am hot and sweaty right now. It's true. <laughs> okay, so let's do this. Let's see what bubbles to the surface. I'm ready to be informed. Welcome to Kitchen Table. I'm Brittany. I'm Nick. And today we are interviewing Sydney Richdale. So Sydney is a sex and intimacy coach who helps people create the intimate life they desire. She has a strong drive to help people create deeper connections within themselves and the world around them. It is her mission to support people in experiencing freedom and expansion around their sexuality and pleasure by getting connected to what they truly desire and how to find their voice in asking for what they need. Oh, yes. She is also a certified Reiki practitioner, and it is her mission to help people feel the sense of love, connection, and belonging they are looking for in their sexual and intimate relationships. Welcome, Sydney. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> we are really excited to dive into this with you today. So thank you for being here. So let's just go in. What's intimacy to you? <laughs> The classic question. <laughs> I love this. Well, to me, intimacy is really like being seen, being witnessed, and from both sides, like really letting yourself be seen by other people, by the world, by yourself, like being able to really look and be honest with yourself and what you want. So that's really a beautiful place to be. And there's peace and just acceptance around who you are and being comfortable to share that. In your day-to-day -day, in your world i feel like that's intimacy and letting people in to see and witness that beauty within yourself too 
I feel the sweetness of that. Oh yeah. In my body. Like I almost want to cry. <laughs> if you want, this is the podcast. This is the place to do it. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, it's not quite out my yeah, eyeballs. Yeah. But, but this is like the welling is there. You're just like, <sighs> yeah, it's blurry. I f- well, the, there was a softness in that definition and the way that you delivered it. One of our guests who we've done a lot of work together, Dr. Timory Schmidt, her definition, and it's similar. And I feel like you just kind of maybe even broke it down a little bit more is shared vulnerability. And what you just said is that being seen and seeing each other is a vulnerable act. Oh yeah. So scary. (laughs) So scary sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It can be terrifying for sure. Ah, so worth this energy that goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it scary though? Why do you think? Oh gosh. <laughs> Why is it scary for you, Sydney? <laughs> no simple answer, but I think the fear just comes from not wanting to feel judged or alone. Like we're afraid to like if we're like if I'm truly open about what it is that I want or you know, my certain hobbies, maybe people will judge me and like kinda cast you out because of such things. Like you know, I don't know if what your experience was like in school growing up, but you know, there's like the cool kids and like, there's like (laughs) the nerds and the whoever else is and everyone just wants to feel belonging. So there's fear about like, Oh, if I like certain things that aren't the norm, then people are going to make fun of me or tease me or just be shitty in general. And so people don't want that. And that's fair. So I think fear comes from just where, yeah, we're afraid to not, belong and be accepted so sometimes we hide and rejection right it's that rejection oh yeah that's at the core of mine like that fear of being more intimate with people like being really? reje- being rejected yeah that's huge i feel like that's been coming up for me a lot more in the last few years being, How so? just connecting with that and getting rejected and also being like oh mm, <laughs> there's something happening here <laughs> like yeah, just like feeling it in my body and also just like what happens to me after I am rejected. Like even if I try to get ahead of it, it's uh, when it happens, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't happen. I'm accustomed <laughs> to things flowing in a certain way when, uh, when I'm interacting with people and typically tend to be, oh, I'm Nick. He's fantastic. Give me some more of that. And <laughs> when I don't get that, I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> This is uncomfortable. And what's happening right now? Why am I why am I talking this way? I don't even know. And like it just turns into a whole downward spiral. The spiral. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah. And it takes me a while to get back up. And that's when I have to go out and, you know, exercise or do the thing, meditate and take care of yourself. I talk to friends or, you know, work, do my job. Like, you know, like yeah, I have to I have to push through and just feel it. I think my relationship with rejection is it's similar to my relationship with um with jealousy. A lot of that stuff for a long time, especially in like the polyamory world for me, went straight to a trauma response. So it was like, I'm jealous. Oh no, now I'm like completely dissociated or in a trauma response. Or, you know, I feel I'm afraid of being rejected, but actually it tunnels all the way down to the core of being like abandoned. Yeah. It's more recently, it's been really refreshing just to feel the things like jealousy. And like rejection, like to feel those things Mm -hmm. and without the trauma response of my body going into some place that's like, 
I can't even really focus on that stuff. I have to focus on like taking care of my body and the trauma that is arising. Mm -hmm. And so it's an interesting experience of being like, oh, and I can just (laughs) feel jealous or feel rejected or feel scared of those things. And I think it's important to recognize that both are intense and uncomfortable and they all suck. (laughs) 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 And they're a little bit different too. And I think take different forms of care. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you shared about both your experiences with it and what you kind of go through because that really normalizes things for people. Like these are normal experiences, no matter how much work we've done or how much we've, you know, dove in it, taken a dive into like (laughs) our shit and (laughs) like still jealousy, you know, whatever else negative feelings come up. Like, this is nice to know that they'll always come up, but we don't necessarily have to same have the same emotional experience or get into like our shit spiral of the stories <laughs> that have happened previously when, you know, jealousy comes up. So it's great, Brittany, that you shared that because it just goes to show you can experience this emotion and still be okay. And I think that's a beautiful gift. Like our triggers suck, like you said. And they're gifts in a way because they're showing us like, okay, what's there? What do I get to look at and heal and just create a better experience for ourselves? Yeah. I mean, it's not, not that surprising that people are afraid to go deeper and share more of themselves with people, especially based off the energy that requires, the amount of time that requires, maybe having a past of being hurt previously, or even having that shit like pop up within like your immediate family and having, you know, those cycles repeat themselves within your romantic relationships and your friendships. Yeah. Like humans can be trash sometimes. Like that's just, we can, (laughs) it's, it's a fact we we were living in like this, this world right now, shit is going down and we're just like, you know, I hate when you say, I know you hate when I say humans can be trash. They behave like trash, like shitty. It's, you still get what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I still understand. That still translates like, ooh, yeah, people can't be trash. It's like, you have to work past that. And that's why it's so important to like, surround yourself and you know create that you know that space for yourself that feels like nurturing and that you can be vulnerable in you start as a child and things are very simple and then like the world starts seeping in like just (laughs) such an innocence to like being a kid and then like adulting my word like so many things to stress us out to shut us down to make us feel smaller than we are and then we're all complete and we're sent out to search for the other half of ourselves to, com- <laughs> to complete ourselves. And this is like, no, you're a complete person. Like you're, you are already a whole person. Like me coming into your space and complimenting you, that's just me adding some sauce to what is already magic in front of me. So mm. like, let's, you know, that like was that. good, right? That was good, right? I like food analogies. <laughs> You do we love do. food analogies. Yeah. yeah. We love ourselves a food analogy yeah. in this household. Well, Delicious. this is kitchen table. So, <laughs> yes. Pun, pun, pun. <laughs> <laughs> we also love ourselves a pun. <laughs> oh, me too. Oh, something's happening. Oh, we, so. We cued our Alexis and started playing rock, rock music. And she started playing rock music, <laughs> which is amazing. And we are not editing it out. <laughs> No, no, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden it was like, (laughs) that's never happened with our food puns. Our food puns. Okay. 
So it was meant to be. It was. So this is a really great segue into, you know, this idea that we are so inundated with as adults, with our trauma, mm. our fear of rejection, mm-hmm. our, you know, adult teen responsibilities, yes. whether it's kids, whether it's job, whether it's money, like whatever it is. What kind of impact does this have on our intimacy, especially in our long-term relationships, but just in relationships in general, sexual relationships, romantic relationships? How does this show up and how do we, what do we do with it? Oh my gosh. Well, the biggest theme I come across is, well, when I talk to people who've been in long-term relationships is we feel like roommates, like intimacy kind of goes out the window for a lot of people because like you said, there's kids, there's jobs, there's this and that and obligations, responsibilities. And just by, you know, us loving certain, like lots of things in our lives, there's a lot sometimes. (laughs) And for whatever reason, sex and connection, intimacy just seems to be the first thing to go for a lot of people. So I hear a lot of like people coming to me being like, Hey, this is still really important to me, but my partner doesn't seem interested or doesn't seem to care that we don't really connect in that way. But like to me, like it's still really important and I want this. I don't want to look outside of my relationship. So yeah, I find it just stops being a priority. So that's probably the number one thing I've picked up on. So let's start there. Why do you think it stops being a priority? Why does that the first thing? I mean, I have my thoughts about that. Oh, I have thoughts about that. Yeah, (laughs) well, I'll share our thoughts. (laughs) But Sydney, why do you think that that's the case? Because I think that there's some very distinct reasons as to why. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I totally want to hear your your, both your thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) I believe for me, like, it's a myth that relationships are supposed to be like easy and with the right person it should be easy and it should just come naturally to you like good sex should just be like you should just know wherever we learn that I don't know but that's part of the I think our conditioning around our sexuality is just like should be easy should know this and that but in reality (laughs) it's not easy relationships take work like even as a coach, I have so much more to learn about sexuality and intimacy and relationships. Like the learning never ends. And for some reason, we just get fed this idea that we should know. And and then I guess people just fall into that. Like they don't realize that the work, the work that it takes and the intention, the intention it takes to, you know, keep building in that area of our life. Yeah, it goes, what I'm hearing is like, it goes into default. Like, it's just like this thing that you expect to be running behind the scenes without any particular effort. Set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. Nah, son. (laughs) That's not it. (laughs) Like, you better do your personal work. You better be doing your work in between, like within your relationship with your Mm -hmm. partner, like have some inkling or understanding of that. People want, when they become entangled, marriage, mm-hmm. long-term relationships, people think that like, 
we were becoming one. <laughs> and the only thing that exists is this one thing now. And it, but like, no, there's still two things happening in this space. And you doing things that you love to do outside of your relationship, keep on doing those things. Like nurture who you are, who were before the relationship, while you're in the relationship, yes. and who the future you is going to be. Like that's and be as present as you possibly can. Like I say this as if it's like, well, yeah, easy. No, like it's hard. <laughs> and, like we've been through like our share of like conflicts and us trying to work, work out, you know, us having two def different definitions of what we're talking about. <laughs> like I speak this way, I'm saying this thing and you're saying it that way. We're saying the same thing, but we're, we're saying it in two different ways. Like it's just, mm -hmm. there's so much to navigate. And it's just, some people will just shish away the idea of, doing collective work work that way and be like i'm fine the ride the fine train <laughs> i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine it's, i'm fine i'm fine it's fine <laughs> like mm. yeah 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 exactly I'm saying that a lot it's <laughs> like no there's there are internal things happening here that you know we should be Always. aware aware of and you know if you can gain some level of emotional intelligence yeah and do some internal healing the better off you're going to be the better off you're going to be period yeah, I think that a lot of people think that this kind of work, intimacy, you know, coaching or therapy or, you know, the work that I do, like it's, you know, a lot of people come to it when they have a problem. Yeah, it's it's when there's a problem and you don't actually have to come to something like this when there's a problem. You can come to it out of curiosity, out of the sense of learning, out of the sense of wanting to connect. Like there's other ways and not everyone does, but a, a good amount of people <laughs> do, right? They come when they have a problem and that's part of our culture too, Yes, right? Like we ignore things until there's a problem. I mean, there's <laughs> lots of evidence for that. In this, Nick's raising his hand. Guilty. <laughs> I wasn't being passive. Yes, that was. That I, I, oh, I didn't take that as passive at all. I was still thinking like, of the world. I'm gonna like, own, <laughs> own that. I'm, I'm in the world, so I'm gonna own you that. You are. <laughs> I appreciate you for owning that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think that you know, it's like there needs to be something wrong for us to ask for help, yeah. need support, you know, in in all kinds of ways, mm -hmm. and that can be detrimental to all the things. Oh my God. <laughs> you, that person just said, asked for help mm -hmm. at one time or yeah. something in a relationship didn't go well. You were, you were, you're just holding on to it and harboring like negative feelings about that thing. And then it passively aggressively comes out in other ways <laughs> toward the people that you love that are like supporting you. Mm -hmm. Like, no, like let's, let's do better for humans. I think also, you know, going back to the idea of why it gets forgotten so easily or sex gets like, you know, set and forget is our culture conditioning you know, our those puritanical roots of that sex isn't supposed to be important, that it's, you know, only for reproduction, that pleasure in sex is, is like in some ways seen as new, right? Like it's, it's not that pleasure is auxiliary and it's not meant to be at the forefront, like breaking up with someone because you don't have good sexual chemistry or sexual needs aren't being met. We're getting divorced for that reason is like, there's so much shame in that. And then there's so much shame in like how much we have sex and how we have sex. Like, so there's just so much shame in all of this that like, we don't talk about it. Which kills me. I mean, it makes perfect sense and it, then it doesn't, right? Yeah, it's like this fear, this fear of like, oh, if we talk about it, normalize it, then people are, or young people are just want to 
do it more. And it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> already doing safe. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just doing uneducated. <laughs> and what were you going to say? Create safe, like education. Just safe space for them to yeah. ask questions and not have to feel so secretive and go behind their parents' backs or whoever. Like, yeah, I have this big mission in my heart to really revolutionize the sex education system for youth because the earlier we learn and yeah, just like normalizing. Yeah. To help alleviate like what you said, Brittany, like the shame we carry. Like I got in trouble for telling my friends what sex was because I read it in a book that my mom gave me about like periods and I read it and I was like mortified that that's what it was. And then I told my <laughs> friends and, and then I got in trouble and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, so I carried that. I carried it, that shame. And so my first, you know, experience around what that was and it's just like, I, you know, got in trouble. So automatically I learned like, oh, not good to talk about, not good to ask questions about. I want to shift that for people. I do not want that to be people's experience. Yeah. And it still is. I think it still is a lot. And, and I think then that shows up in, you know, there's also this idea of in heterosexual marriages of like, I think husband privilege, you know, this idea that like, well, the husband needs sex. And so we need to, we need to do that. That needs to happen if it's not my experience, wife. but yeah, like the dutiful wife, the, you know, and it's so perpetuated in our culture, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to fake a headache so I don't have to have sex. Like this idea that women don't want to have sex, right? That they're like doing it for their male partners is bullshit. <laughs> women like sex too, yo. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it just requires a very specific key. In terms of the person. No, I mean, for some. For some, but I, the more times than not, it's like, let's establish, it's a drawn out process. It's just things need to be put in place in order for it, like that to even be mm, a door, yeah. door that's opened. Like, and yeah. some guys are just like, hey, it's out. Like, <laughs> what do you want to do with it? That is way better way of saying it. Like, hey, you have a dick. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> It's like, well, my pussy needs some, yes, needs some exactly. TLC and, <laughs> and it takes some time for that. Yeah. <laughs> Can that be the title of our this episode? No, just kidding. And then typically they're like, do you want to suck it? I'm like, yeah. no, no, <laughs> you put it like that. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> Yeah, and charming me at all right now. She think that's going to work? <laughs> and that's what men, you know, are conditioned to do though, right? Yeah. Or, you know, like cis men, right? Like it's this idea that like the penis works so differently than the vulva and the vagina. It's so different. I love where this conversation is about to go because I see it all in my head. And I'm like, here we go. No, I'm, I just, ready. I'm just thinking like, I'm really empathizing with like, someone who has a penis right now. And I'm just thinking like, I mean, cause you know, I, I can rock a strap on, you know, so there's that. But like, you know, the penis is just like, bing. It's all of a sudden it's hard and it's like, okay, I'm ready. And then it's just this like experience of, and, and this again, I could be wrong, but I'll, that's the way. I'll check you when you're not. I'm okay. like, uh, wrong, that's not it. 
you can't see the vulva and the pussy in that way. I mean, you can, but you got to get really close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, the vulva will, yeah, you got to get up close and personal. She, like, the vulva will engorge and get juicy and, like, you know, the clitoris will expand. Like, all these things will happen, but you don't see it as easily or feel it as easily as you do a cock. It's more overt and obvious with the, yeah. the, the cock. And so it makes sense. It's like, well, it's time. Right? And then all of a sudden, all the orientation goes to the cock. <laughs> right? Even if the person that has the cock is feeling differently too. And so there's also that, right? Yeah, there yeah. also might be like, just because my cock wants this, maybe I don't. I'm just saying, I'm really thinking about this. <laughs> He's cracking up. Someone's going to be like, they said cock 87 times. Cock, 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 cock. <laughs> <laughs> I said penis. I said cock. I said dick. <laughs> I just feel like cock really has some power to behind it. It's that CK yeah. at the end. Well, even like that. Well, so is CK with dick. It's like cacophony or whatever that word is. What's that? You learn in English class. Like onomatopoeia? Is that not? That's different. <laughs> cacophony. <laughs> I'm like, what I think it means I like harsh sound or something. Yeah. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying in that? I do see what you're saying. I mean, in terms of clitoral simulation, it's more like a, you know, it's a curtain and like there may be a leg that pops out and that's like the only sound. <laughs> <you're hearing. laughs> and the rest, all the other stuff's happening back there. You can hear the music and it's like, but, but like, it's like all muted, muted. It's like inside you. It's happening inside you, but like. You can see it externally. You just gotta I, I know, but still, get close. It requires that discovery. Like, ah, die. And let me do some homework. Let me do some discovering. Like, yeah, that works. I can yeah. definitely entertain how your presentation of this and also relate to it. Yeah, it's like the loudest person in the room tends to get the most attention. The penis tends to be the loudest person in the room. And in reality, the vulva is the one that needs more buttering up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. And the vulva is the most, the awesomest person in the room. <laughs> there's Sorry, no, there's no competition mm-hmm. here. Both of you are just like, mm-hmm. okay. These are amazing it's magic. and magical it's magic. and a privilege to enter. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I just stress this that you are a penis haver and think it, it is important, or partner in general, to always be checking in. Like, oh, yeah, even it, with no matter what. Yeah, you get yeah. to a point, if like you've come to completion in the space, be like, is there anything else that I can do for you in this moment? Like, <laughs> it's always a nice thing to ask and just put into a situation, I feel like. It's even if you don't come into completion. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Be like, what else? Do you need something else? Yeah. Like, do we need to cool down? Do you need water? Can I get you some drink? Like, what do you... <laughs> That's a game changer in your sex life right there, everyone. Just literally ask, what else can I do for you right now? So simple. <laughs> I want like a sandwich. Thank you. <laughs> some cheese on me. <laughs> some food play. <laughs> oh. We're back to food. Yeah. Back to food. <laughs> See? It's, it's a wonderful gateway. I'm not a big fan of food play, though. Well, Talk. Not incorporation sometimes. Light incorporation. Feed me things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be slathered in um, stickiness. It's just... Mm. I have done, like, ice cream sundae. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I get that. I see that. But... This makes me feel like I want to shower. Exactly. <laughs> well, and also, like, pussies don't really like that not that much. Not <laughs> it's not that pH balance is like, no thank you. <laughs> so, hear that, everyone. If you... <laughs> You're going to take a lot out of this, but if you take nothing else, but don't put whipped cream in your vagina don't do <laughs> or that. around it, you're welcome don't for the rest of your life. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
Oh, we are really going places. Yeah. I'm getting to say all my favorite words. You are. So fun. Oh. So let's talk about this idea of bringing back the spark of desire, of arousal. How do we do that? What does it look like? What do you find happens with couples? I can see it being different for per couple. Yeah, but what's like the themes, you know, or how do you help people do that? Yeah, I think it really comes down to like the individual for sure, what their relationship looks like, what kind of, you know, the erotic blueprint, like what their really sexy needs are. I just read Esther Perel's book, Made in Captivity, Sex, Lies, and Domestic Bliss, I believe. And it talks a lot about And it talks about how intimacy kind of, you know, can dwindle as time goes on and you get more comfortable. And it's talking about how you need to kind of create some space almost and like, what's the word? Like longing, you know, like, so even like taking a weekend away from your spouse, partners, like just kind of creating some distance. So, and then really engaging your brain. I talk to people a lot about that in my practice. It's like, How do you kind of sow those sexy seeds, you know? What can you do to really get your brain in the game? Because then your body is going to respond. So it's like really tapping into like your desires, what kind of lights you up, you know, in your yoni, in your penis, like in your body, just like create what creates those sexy tingles. I'm really curious to ask you both a question just around like polyamorous relationships. And if you feel like that desire say for your partner, I, I don't know, the main partner, I don't know the term for it. Let's say um, partners. Other partners, yeah. Yeah, like does... Or nesting partner, yeah. Nesting partner. Does your desire for them kind of fuel based on like your experiences that you're having in other relationships? Like, does it make you want to like, ooh, we did this. Now I, I want to go home and try this with my nesting partner. Like, do you feel like there's a connection there that really supports your desire and arousal for that person? That's a good question. I think, you know, we've been polyamorous for six years now. And I think that at the beginning, there was this excitement and almost a novelty of that, of like, oh, there's this thing happening. I think, you know, that fueled something for a while. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, it didn't feel sustainable. I think our sexual relationships are very separate. Yeah. I think we get different needs met in our, I think it's more for us is that our different sexual needs get met through other relationships and partnerships. I also think, you know, like we did struggle with that for a little, like, for example, like, I remember Nick, you wanted, you can speak to this, but you wanted, I'm very much into kink and you are too, but I've I've gotten more into it. Yeah. But I remember when I was really going hard, so to speak in with kink, that you wanted to like do all the things that I was doing with someone else, Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't necessarily a fit. Yeah. Right. Like it was like, but it was, you would like wanted to do it. Because it turned me on. And for me, I like to engage with for certain things because it turns the person on, you know, like spanking or degradation or things like that. I want the person to want to like do those things. Yeah. You know, do you want to talk about your experience of that? Sure. I mean, in terms of that popping up in our and within our opening mm -hmm. up, there were moments I feel like that was more of me just like trying to establish safety while Mm -hmm. you were while you were going out into those spaces. Yeah. And this is like a realization in this moment. Yeah, that was for safety. Yeah. So I could feel secure. Yeah. Like one of my kinks is like offering pleasure, like pleasuring mm-hmm. someone, like and knowing that I am offering and I'm giving this pleasure. So um, if I'm doing anything or, you know, engaging in any way, like I want to be very clear that this person's 
wanting it mm-hmm. and then I'm offering it and they are loving it. So yeah. there may have been some of that in there as well, but I think it was more for safety for, for myself. So I didn't yeah. feel like, uh, I didn't want to get left behind the way I've engaged and have stepped into the kink world more. It's evolving and like my switchness is coming out and it's just like, mm-hmm. like, you know, and I'm just really being switchness. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just trying to, like, I think I would lean more toward the submissive side, but like it's, it's playing on the Dom side. It's fun for me. I'm realizing and discovering. So, and I feel like all my relationships have, you know, opened me up and allowed me to experience that. And in terms of our sexual relationship, that's something that we've worked on, been mindful of and, I mean, for the first five years of our relationship, I mean, when we were monogamous, there were definitely, you know, holes that we weren't addressing. And we went in couples therapy, it just kind of blew up our spot and made us have to really actively look at how we both were showing up and also connecting with the, the idea of creating our own normal and not really connecting to like what other people are doing or what you're supposed to do. It's like, no, your relationship is meant to be its own unique thing. Yes, some things, you know, pop up that correlate, but we are who we are. I love the way we relate outside of having sex. That's our intimacy. Yes. More than sex. You know, we've talked about this before, Sydney, on, on here. Like, we never had that throw down passion. I mean, we've thrown down. We've had patches. But that kind of passion, that that kind of mania kind mm-hmm. of love, mm-hmm. and in that kind of those Greek terms, ours is more, you know, we have a very secure and stable relationship. And so sometimes in those relationships, you do have to work a little bit harder to have that desire component sustain. Yeah. And so we've found ways to sustain it that aren't necessarily erotic and they're intimate, but they're not necessarily always sexual. And we struggled with that. I struggled with that a lot. We both struggled. Yeah. Of like, oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? And I think we're more at a place now where we're really accepting of it because it works. There's actually no problem other than what's in our heads, (laughs) right? There's no problem. Like, you know, we are fulfilled and being polyamorous is part of that. Having other partners fulfills that, you know, it's not why we opened. We opened because of curiosity, but it helped. I'm curious, you know, assuming you work with a lot of monogamous people and if that's not an option, for some, which is totally respectable. It's yeah. like, okay, well then what do we do? <laughs> what does that look like? Totally. Well, and first of all, Nick, I really appreciate you sharing your experience of just how, you know, you're kind of, you're the kink, like BDSM stuff. It's, you're, it's like evolving. And that's something I like to just highlight because I think a lot of people sometimes feel that they need to jump in the deep end. <laughs> when they have like a curiosity or partner like brings up that they want to try those things. And then there's like, oh gosh, like we have this in our minds that like we have to go all in, but I feel like really normalizing, okay, it can look like baby steps, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't, you don't have to like be full on like kink, right? Right from day one, you know, like there's ways to ease into it. So I just appreciate you sharing that part of your journey and normalizing that for people. Yeah. So I think, you know, say you have a couple that desire is an issue. One partner maybe doesn't want to have sex as much or, you know, they're just not aroused. How do you work with them? Like, what can they do if they're like, you know, you said a lot of couples are like, okay, we don't want to find it somewhere else. That can be a lovely option to have those needs met in different ways. But, you know, if they don't want to do that and, you know, mismatched libidos 
basically, which is a real thing and can be really frustrating because we deserve to have our sexual needs met. And so what does that look like for couples like that you're coaching? Great question. My first question is sort of like with them anyways, to really explore like, okay, like, is there something else going on in your relationship that's preventing you from wanting to do that? Because they might be holding on to resentment or like, something else like it's not usually about the sex like sometimes it could come down to like mismatched libidos but i always dig first like okay like what's really going on here like because it can be things we've held on to for years and it's just over time it's built up and they've just kind of been like no just like i'm not into it not interested for whatever reason. So really starting there, like looking at the dynamics of what's going on, working through that, acknowledging it, you know, I think that's key being, being willing to acknowledge it and like, and not like beating yourself up about if that's been your experience. Like I think I spoke to this man once who's, who has a lot of grief around like lost time and like in regards to like the amount of time he could have been spent being intimate with his wife. And I was just like, well, it can get better. And like, really, you're allowed to feel that. And we can move forward as well to create a new experience. So yeah, starting there. And then, you know, if they're just like, everything's good, like my person's my best friend. And then it's like, okay, then we can kind of start looking at like, what are your sexual needs and desires? Because we may just, maybe we haven't asked, (laughs) you know? Like I just did the erotic blueprint, you know, within the last couple of years of my life. And I didn't know about that until recently. And I was like, wow, that's a game changer. Can you speak about that? About the erotic blueprint? What it is? Sure. Yeah. My understanding of it is like you take this quiz and ask you these questions around, you know, what your preferences are. And at the end of it, you come out with, you know, a result there's like sensual and I don't remember all of the the sensual sexual and then energetic I think and I'd have to relook it up and I was just like oh okay like I'm more of like a sensual lover so not you know just like creating an environment where I feel open and safe and willing to receive you know that's really important to me it's just like an understanding into like your sensual or sexual needs which I think is a game changer for people because we all, and part of our conditioned sexuality is like, oh, we should just fit in this box. We all should enjoy this or that. And it's like, no, we, we're we very different people, individuals, beings. Like, So really having that information and knowledge is a good step to understanding, okay, what is it that you're needing, wanting versus your partners or partners and just be like, okay, let's start there. And then just kind of, find a place where all the needs are getting met and being curious, being curious, open, willing to try new things, new experiences, and just seeing where that goes. I haven't actually taken the erotic blueprint. No, I'm um, surprised. No. Yeah. Our first guest, Luna May, we were spending some time together and was like, what's your erotic blueprint? And I was like, I have not. You know what I think we should do? I think we should take the quiz and like talk about it on the podcast. I think we should like, make it an episode why not right <laughs> right i think it would be really fun for yeah. people to be like oh I'm cool it's really eye-opening yeah yeah i think that we've backed into that in, in a lot of ways of knowing some of that i think 
that there is an awareness of that without taking the quiz in the ways that we have come to just be intimate with each other and to accept it. I think acceptance is really important. And, you know, what you said, Sydney, about we are all kind of like fit into this box of like what it's supposed to look like. And I think the box is like sexual, right? Like it's like you need to want sex, you need to want it a lot, or, you know, you need to be having sex within a long-term relationship or just with a partner, like a certain amount of time. It needs to be really hot sex. Like it's, you know, this is what we see in on movies and song and all this stuff, right? We see this mirrored back to us. That's what's normal. Mm -hmm. And so if that's not what we want, then it's like, oh, is there something wrong? You know, and then like for me, who, you know, does this work and stuff. And I've talked about this a lot. Like, you know, I have moments where I'm super sexual and with a partner and, and that I've noticed a lot of that was from trauma bonding and, Mm. and that kind of stuff. That's really where that, like, I need to have you and rip your clothes off all the time came from. And so (laughs) once that was recognized and it was like, oh, I'm actually like my sexual desires when not pushed by trauma are very different when I'm grounded and resourced and I don't need sex as much because really it was just being used for safety. And I've said that before, but the way that I just said that now felt different. (laughs) Yeah. This is what happens. Yeah. This is what happens. This always happens when we talk to someone whose job it is to hold space mm-hmm. and create like this always happens. So thank you. <laughs> Learning in real time. <laughs> yeah, It felt different to like, and there's almost like a sadness there of like, mm. you know, like that identity has been changing because it, you know, those relationships had were linked in a very particular way. And the purpose was safety. And it's all brought you to this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's okay. And I don't feel there's like grief in there, you know, that, that I want to honor and I'm okay with it. Sure. You know, like I feel it's not like, Oh, why did that happen? But it's like, Oh damn. Yeah. Right. Like our sexual identity can shift as we heal. Mm-hmm. Right. And slow claps and finger snaps <laughs> <laughs> all over that. Thank you. <laughs> I've been the one to fit that in like casually and effortlessly for so long. You're hot. That's Nick's like, favorite. He loves saying that. If people start saying it, you know where it came from. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Guy, slow claps and finger steps. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I just like that, that sigh. I'm like. I just impressed myself. I, no, I had a breakthrough. Yes, yes, yes. Woohoo. Yes. Woohoo. <laughs> Space holding. Are people that do the work. <laughs> okay, so any before we get into our sexy rapid fire. <laughs> I don't know the way you said that. It's sexy. <laughs> I was I, like, ooh, something happened just inside me right there. It was nice. <laughs> well, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really so, building the anticipation I'm there. Building the anticipation. Is there anything else? That you want to say about like any, like, I hate the word tip, but like, (laughs) you know, like offering for someone that's like, yeah, this really is resonating. Like, what's the first thing I can do? Or what's one thing I can do to, besides taking the erotic blueprint, Chris, (laughs) what's something I can do? Something else I can do. It kind of goes in relation to this quick question that I want to ask, because Nick mentioned it a couple of times. It's come up the feeling of safety. And just like the, we can't experience pleasure, openness, vulnerability without feeling safe. So 
really getting clear on like what that is, what that means to you and your relationship with self as well as others and just how to cultivate that in your interactions because the sky is the limit in regards to like pleasure, connection, intimacy, and we can only have that with safety. And it just made me wonder, Nick, like coming from a man's perspective, like what is it that helps you feel safe? Because as women, you know, I understand what I need. There's like that certain physical aspect and like knowing that someone's a safe person, I'm not going to get hurt physically, but, and it's not just about physical safety. It's like emotional, spiritual safety. So I'm curious, like from your perspective, what really helps men feel safe? For me, in terms of what makes me feel safe as a man, when it comes to me being intimate with other humans, I think I would lean mostly toward emotional safety. And for me, I land in a space on the spectrum of like demisexual. Like I, if I'm going to be having an interaction with someone, I want to feel connected with them in some way. I want to share vulnerable shares and I want to receive vulnerable shares. And like knowing that we can like sit in that space and do that together or like just that easefulness of just like existing in a space, not having to talk that much also is a, is a space of safety for safety for me. Like knowing I don't have to add any extra things and just the, the comfort and ease and knowing that I can be myself in a moment like that, that gives me safety. So yeah, like it, mm. it is, I, I need to know that I can be myself. I need to know that I can share like, like thoughtfully and vulnerably. That's pretty much it. Then it's on. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're ready to rock. Check and check. That's beautiful. <laughs> Let's do this. I love that. So yeah. Thank you for asking me that. Yeah. I don't think I've spoken that out loud and like, and really have truly connected with that. That is what it is for me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. More learning and healing in real time. Yes. <laughs> With Sydney Richelle. <laughs> <laughs> Intimacy coach. Okay. Sexy rapid fire. Sexy rapid fire. <laughs> okay. Short and sweet if you can. What's the most wild or kinkiest or silliest place you've had sex? In a river. <gasps> Oh my God, me too. It's instantaneous, <laughs> instantaneous like. Oh my God, that's amazing. We're the sisters. We're the sisters. We're the oh, sisters. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I remember the exact spot. Oh. <laughs> that was nice. Were you in like, some, were you in a boat or like, I was in a tube. It was just in no, the river. It was just this rocky bank and we were probably half in, half out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> Adventurous oh. teenagers. Oh, yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. What's your love language? I know myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, if there was a food that could or does give you an orgasm, what would it be? I've yet to experience that, but I would guess it's chocolate. <laughs> mm, good choice. Yes. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? This is his favorite question. I love asking this question. This one's hard for me because I never know. My superpower would be to make anyone feel like they can feel safe. Here's this is my favorite question. Off the cuff? Um, <laughs> no, I do have an off the cuff one, but this isn't it. If you could have a threesome with any two, so we've expanded this over time. So it could be any two like famous people. It could also be like not human. Like it could be, you know, like 
characters or living, dead, mythical, like whatever, two, because it's the threesome, who would they be and why? Oh, gosh, I've never thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. We'll edit it. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, who gets me going? Uh, Orlando Bloom. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So dream. It's those eyes. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> And who else is in my spank bank? <laughs> nice. I don't want to have sex with her, but I feel like the most beautiful woman ever is Kate Hudson. Not in a sexual way, but she's just absolutely gorgeous to me. She could watch. <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay. So we have like some watching, some like, yeah, mm-hmm. you throw down with Orlando Bloom. Yeah. I don't know who else. Oh, Chris Hemsworth. Yes, please. <laughs> Hemsworth. Who is this? Isn't that Thor? No. Yeah. But not as Thor, regular him. As jacked as Thor in the blonde hair, you know? Like, Don't judge me. I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm surprised. Yeah. I, I, can, I can't uh, do men with long hair. I just can't. Got it. Like, you give him a haircut and Cut call it, it a day. That can be part of the whole experience. Word. Word. <laughs> Kate Hudson is. She was in that movie with Matthew McConaughey. Well, she's the daughter of uh, Goldie Hawn and Russell, not Russell Brand, <laughs> or Russell Crowe. Oh, what's his name? Blonde, she's blonde and just radiated. She was in a 10 thing. What was that? Got it. I know How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yeah, she's yeah. adorable. Yeah. yeah, so adorable. She is. Yeah. And lovely. Mm-hmm. Her and Zoe Deschanel. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's oh, the, the sweetest. Zoe. We got like a, this, this is a straight up orgy now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's watching, there's engaging. I love it. I want someone to watch it. When do you feel most vulnerable? When I have made some mistake or fucked up or hurt someone and I'm apologizing. What is a, so either a kink or a fantasy or a position, like some kind of sexy thing that you haven't yet tried and you want to? I hope my mom and dad don't hear this. (laughs) One of my fantasies that it involves the threesome that I am giving a blowjob while a man is like fucking me from behind. Oh, yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I was just like, got it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's a good one. Yeah. I love that. One of the only things I have completed a lot of fantasies in my day. And the one that I haven't is I have never had a threesome with two men. And which is so like, you know, you think that would be like one of the first things, but I haven't. And you find the right balance. Yeah. Well, it's also like, I don't want them to like, like, okay, fine. They can like fuck me or whatever. But like, I want them to do so. I want bisexual men. Gotcha. Give me mm, some bisexual men who are all about <laughs> each other. Oh God. I can't even like... You like chill. I can't Ooh. even like, you know, like it's like, and then I tell them what to do and we're like doing stuff the, the other. Oh, yeah, that's your jam. That's, that's your jam. That is my jam. It is going to happen. <laughs> like, oh, I believe it. Don't DM me about this, people. <laughs> I Everyone mean, needs no. a sexy bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're really like my start would be like having a threesome in general just like starting there like I, mm-hmm. i'll say that and it's like i don't know but it, it would need to be a very organic engagement like oh what's happening here you know it's yeah, like, but you oh. want to set boundaries and make sure everybody like sure but it, it, it could be the most gentlest threesome in the world but i just want it to be like this needs to have some flow to it and like obviously there'll be communication yeah. but 
What? Are you just kissing me there? That's crazy. Stop it. What? No, just more. <laughs> and then have it just like snowball. Just oh, like, we're Ugh. naked. <laughs> what? <laughs> Close this. <laughs> okay, you. Last, last question. One. Last question. Something that makes you belly laugh. Bill Burr's new uh, Netflix uh, episode. <laughs> We haven't. I haven't seen him yet. I mean, I know who he is. Yeah. Live at Red Rock. It's on Netflix. That made me laugh a hilarious. lot. Hilarious. God, I've been I watching can... more comedy, and I'm like, why didn't I do this until recently? <laughs> like, I'm appreciating this laughter, this belly gut, like just release. I went on Netflix and I just went through all of the comedy specials, just like the intros, each one, and I just like laughed. I was like. This is hilarious. And I was like, I don't necessarily need to watch the rest of it. I can just watch, like, I literally watched like 10 in a row. Yeah. And because that, like, is oftentimes some of their funniest. Oh, you like, And I was like, this is great. Yeah. And then I can decide if I want to watch more. Yeah. <laughs> I just started reading um, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. There's laughter and the intensity in that book. You're just like, holy shit. The life he's lived is absolutely insane. But there's a, a poop story when, when he was younger in this book. I swear, I break, like, I think you, you caught me while I was laughing at this. And I was just in <laughs> he, he was literally in tears. Tears. Uh. Like, just imagining this story playing out. Like, oh, I can't even. I'm not even going to spoil for anyone. Read the book. Read it's, the book. It is so funny. <laughs> Sydney, this has been so enlightening and fun and just lovely. Thank you so much for your time and energy and your in your space and your questions. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I've really, yeah, had fun today with you two. And yeah, I'm like, can we do this every week? <laughs> 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 yeah, <what's going> <laughs> yeah. Another point Pencil about intimacy, in. make it fun. Yes. <laughs> Be consistent. And so what do you got going on? What do you want people to know about? what you do. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I'm kind of in the works right now, building some things in this in the background, but my big mission on this earth, I feel is to really take people out of that conditioned sexuality and help them evolve into their authentic sexuality. So if anyone is in a space where they're like, I'm ready to shed that shit and fully step into who I am and what I want, I'm, I'm here to chat. So feel free to reach out and I'd love to just help you out in any way I can. So, and thank you, Brittany and Nick for hosting this like wonderful podcast. I think you're really opening up, you know, this so many wonderful things for people. And just so thank you for that. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much. Appreciate that. I told you it was going to be a session. I told you. I feel like you came at me so hard in that, in this moment. You're like, I yes. <laughs> what, did you listen to me? <laughs> I told you. Yeah. In your face. My job. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. No, I didn't mean it like I that. I was just excited. Like, <laughs> I just feel the energy. It was just like, I, I told you it was going to be dope. Well, I meant more that it was going to be a set that we were going to have like some like coaching. Like, it was oh, going to be. Yeah. But our coaching. Almost similar to my therapy, personally, it comes from us. Yes. <laughs> like the realizations come from, I mean, it always, all, it always comes from us, but like sometimes people need someone externally to like kind of word it a certain way to actually get mm -hmm. it to make sense. But yeah. it's the space holding. The space holding. I feel really happy that I'm able to do that and hold space and offer that mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Yeah. I think we both had like some like moments of like during this interview of like, oh, I haven't quite come to it that way before. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that. I love when that happens, when you can say something over and over or think something or, or even like start to embody something. But, you know, the integration of embodying something, understanding something about yourself is like it takes time. It does. Right. 
It's just the way it be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Saying it over, like you say it over and over and over and over. And then that one day it's just like, oh, that's it. Now I really resonate, but it's like all the work you do up to that, up until that point is like, you were meant yes. to move through all that. It, you were meant to sit with it for that amount of time. And it was meant to make sense in that exact yeah. moment. So yeah, praise it for healing and just mm. like actively connecting with ourselves internally. For self-awareness. Oh, yeah. So clap for self-awareness. Then finger snaps? So claps and finger snaps <laughs> for self-awareness. Yes. <laughs> good use. Good use of the word. Thank you so much for listening. Follow Sydney at Sydney Richdale on Instagram. That's S-Y-D-N-E-Y-R-I-C-H-D-A-L-E. And she also has a Facebook group that you can check out as well. Follow me at sexually underscore liberated on Instagram. Check out my website at BrittanyPaulaCastro.com. And we have a Twitter, K Table Podcast on Twitter. Follow me at Nick Anthony Photo on Instagram and check out my website at nickantony.com. Editing by Audio Knots, music by Greta Hopmer. And please leave us five stars, a review, like, subscribe, follow this podcast. Thank you for all the love you've given us recently. It's been really beautiful. And share this podcast with someone that could use it. Help us spread the kitchen table love, y'all. Until next time. Giddy up.